Father, we experience so many kinds of darkness in this world, and we are grateful for your light. We are grateful for the light that the Bible sheds on our way, how it, how it shows us the path toward you and shows us how you walk with us. Lord, we are grateful for Jesus who came as the light of the world, come to bring, come to bring healing and hope to all of our lives. Lord, we pray that this time that we gather on this day after Christmas would be an occasion where, where our memory of you is renewed, an occasion where we feel your presence more clearly, where we, where we are healed and renewed. And Lord, we pray too that this would be a day of hope, where we see you, your plans, and your promises more clearly. Amen. I can invite the scripture readers to come up now. We're going to wrap up our Promises, Promises series this morning. I was thinking to do a really deep dive into John 1, 14 to 18, but as I worked at that the last couple of weeks, I decided to go a little different direction and to give us more of a, a broad picture. So we're going to read three texts, one from Exodus, one from John, and one from Revelation that bring us to the word of the Lord. So let's hear God's word today. Exodus 33, verse 7 through 11. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever peop the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. John 1, verse 14 through 18. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Revelation 21, verse 22 through 27. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. So we're going to have four, they're not exactly 
points today, but four kind of chapters in the story that we'll work through as, as we reflect on what these texts show us about the work of the Lord in our lives. We're going to start by talking about disconnection. Disconnection. I listened to an interview the last couple weeks, and I listened to it a couple times between Russell Moore, who's a former Southern Baptist, and Andrew Peterson. And Andrew Peterson, if you don't know the name, he's worth checking out. He's a, he's a songwriter, he's a singer, he's an author, and a really thoughtful Christian reflecting on how we live well today. And in this recent conversation, he, he reflected on the challenges of the last couple of years, life in the pandemic life with all of the conflict that we've experienced, life with all the, all the disconnections and the lack of, of rootedness that we've seen. And Andrew tells this story of, of going back to the town he grew up in, and he grew up mostly in a small town in Illinois and then moved to Florida after a while. I think the town was Monticello, if I remember right, a couple hours south of here, maybe three hours. But Andrew goes back as an adult. And he wanders around this little town where his dad was a small town pastor. And, and he has these experiences where these, there's, there's these things that they seem kind of familiar, but he left young enough that he doesn't really remember a lot of the details. He, he can't put stories with them. The stories are they're there, but they're not there for him. And there's one particular point as he's walking around the town that he comes to this park, and as he's walking through the park, there's this particular tree that brings him to a dead stop. And he looks at the tree, and he thinks, I think, I think we used to come here as a family, and we'd just sit around the tree for like hours and hours. What in the world was that about? And he can't remember. So he stands there, and he looks around, and he looks around, and he looks up at the tree, and and he feels like there's something he should be able to grab hold of, but it's just not there. And that feels kind of weird to him in that moment. But that's, that's a lot like the moment we're in right now for, for us culturally, for many of us personally maybe. We're, we're feeling like there's, there's this stuff out there, there's life, but, but we just don't feel as connected as we'd like to be. This has been a really challenging year. And I think for many of us, it's highlighted how we're, we're actually kind of disconnected from ourselves. We aren't quite the people we thought we were. And we're disconnected from those around us, from, from fellow church members, from neighbors, from, from broader currents in society. There are all these cracks that have erupted or, or maybe that were there, but we're kind of covered over. And now, now we see how divided and disconnected we really are. And maybe, maybe this is more true for some of us than for others, but in some ways this feels like a time where we might feel especially disconnected from the Lord. There is so much trouble, so much heartache, and why, why, why? We live in a disconnected world. And so, as I prepped for this sermon today, I thought it'd be good for us, good for us to be reminded of what healthy connections look like, good for us to, to be reminded of the story of God coming near to us and drawing us to Him. So, so that's the story we're going to be rehearsing this morning. And, and honestly, if you've been around, if you've been a Christian for much of any time, I'd be surprised if you hear a lot that's new today, but I hope that it, it's a good reminder 
a good renewal of the freshness of the gospel story. So this morning, we're going to pull at a thread that runs all the way through the Bible. It, in some respects, it centers on Jew, John 1, but you could read it all the way from Genesis to Revelation. And so as we read from Exodus, not quite the first book of the Bible, but close, and then John and the Revelation, the last book of the Bible, we'll trace, we'll trace this story all the way through. And we'll start by talking about memory and about the tent of meeting in Exodus 33. So Andrew Peterson, as he stands before that tree, he, he starts sending texts to his parents and taking pictures and, and saying, why do I remember this? What did we do here? And his parents text back and they say, oh yeah, that tree, that was our thinking tree. And we'd often go there as a family and we'd sit there and we'd bring books and we'd, we'd read stories and we'd read the Bible and we'd pray together. And his mom says, you know, your father often when sermons were, were not coming together real well, he'd He'd head across down to that thinking tree, and he'd sit there, and he'd wrestle through the text, and he'd pray, and he'd pray, and, and that was where he went for things to come together. I'm thinking of buying myself a thinking tree, because that sounds like a nice thing to have sometimes. But then they go on, they say, and Andrew, you often, over the years, ask permission to go there, and we'd say, now, be careful crossing State Street, but yes, you can go to the thinking tree. And, and I remember you would go there, and you would spend a couple hours there, and it, it seemed like that was where you went to really get serious with God. That was, that was your place. And as that memory starts to come back, Andrew remembers. He remembers more and more how that place was a place where he really felt close to the Lord as a child. Now, John 1, 14 to 18, and all of John 1 really does a tremendous job of mining the Old Testament and, and bringing forward all kinds of illusions and pictures, and we can't possibly dig into all of them this morning. We would be here way too long. But probably the clearest reference in these verses is to that text we read in Exodus 33 and 34. That's where we begin to see this picture of, of a tent where God meets meets with his people, and there is glory, and there is, there is a closeness, but there's also a distance. And those particular verses that we read are really positive, right? Like, wow, Moses goes out, and he pitches this tent, and he meets with the Lord, and the Lord is right there, and all the people stand at the entrance to their tents, and they worship too, and Joshua was in the tent persistently, and wow, this is, this is amazing. But if we look at the chapters right around those particular verses, there's actually a lot of trouble. Just a little bit before that, Moses goes up on the mountain and, and he gets the Ten Commandments and, and he has all this stuff, all these instructions, all this good news from God. But while he's up on the mountain, he stays too long and the people down in the camp say, we don't know what's going on up there. Let's make an idol. The Israelite thought process there in Exodus is really... Well, A, familiar, because we often act like that, and B, pretty haywire, right? So they make this golden calf, they make this idol, and they start worshiping it, and they raise this hubbub, and Moses comes down from being in the presence of the Lord, and the people are worshiping an idol. And Moses loses it a little bit, and he breaks the first copy of the Ten Commandments, and he grinds up the golden calf and makes the people drink it and mixed in with water, and, and there's this plague, and there's all kinds of trouble. And then out of that background, we come to this text. And again, the Lord, despite his displeasure with the people, despite the distance that they keep putting between themselves and God, the Lord comes close to them. 
And all the people don't get to go out to the tent of meeting. There's a distance there. But the Lord comes and he meets with Moses like a friend. He looks at him face to face. Moses can go to the tent. Joshua can go to the tent. And the people can at least look toward it. But there's still that distance. There's still that sense that, that yes, God is there, but, but we can't quite get there. And ever since the Garden of Eden, that's been the story of humanity, that, that, that we want to be with God. And even if we can't put the right biblical words around it, we want to be with God. We want to experience the ultimate reality. And so whether you're in the Christian tradition or another tradition, there is this, this sense of desiring to approach the Lord. And so people over the centuries, they, they make altars, they give sacrifices, they, they smoke some different things in some religious traditions, they, they seek different experiences, they do all kinds of things because they want, they want that meaning in their lives. They want, we want that sense of connection. And even we as Christians, even we as Christians often lose and often neglect that connection. We lose our memories. We forget the places that we used to go to really be close to the Lord. And so one of the practices that, that I think is a distinctively, in some respects, uniquely Christian practice is the practice of memory, of remembering. We come, we come again and again to remember the story of the Lord. This, this is our family story. And often we forget, often we, we look at life and things seem kind of fuzzy and, and so we need to come back again. We need, to, we need to get in touch with our Heavenly Father and ask for some reminders. What am I seeing? Why does this seem familiar? Why do I feel like I, I'm here but I'm kind of lost? And and this is text, text that God the Father sends to us. Oh, yes, what you're seeing is this. Oh, yes, what you're not seeing but should be is that. And so as we, we draw near to the end of another year, I want to commend to you the practice of memory, the practice of coming again and again to the word of the Lord, to these texts from God that define our lives, that show us who we are, that give us a rootedness in a world of disconnection. So Exodus invites us to, to stand at our tents and to, to look toward the work of God, but there is still this distance that we've talked about in Exodus. And so John, well, the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, wants us to think of Exodus, but then wants to show us that something new is happening Think of Andrew's thinking tree again, the place where his family went to, to be with the Lord and to wrestle with the Lord, but that tree was back in his hometown where he hardly ever went. And he lives in Tennessee now, and that's a long, long ways from Illinois in a lot of ways. But imagine if that thinking tree got up one day, and I, I know this is fantasy, but run with it. Imagine if that thinking tree got up one day and made the trek all the way to Nashville and outside of Nashville where Andrew lives and planted itself outside his house. Think if the thinking tree, that place of encountering the Lord, came and found him. 
And actually, as Andrew was wandering through, wandering through his original hometown and looking at that tree, he realized that, that in some sense in his life, the thinking tree had been transplanted to outside Nashville, Tennessee. He had a place on his, his country farmstead where he'd gather with friends, where they'd tell each other stories, where they'd pray together, where they'd focus on the Lord and encourage each other. The place was different, but the reality was the same. This is where we go to meet with the Lord. And John 1, John 1 talks to us about how Jesus comes to dwell with us. And it gives us a whole new sense of the presence of the Lord. And that's, that's the second chapter of our story for today, that Jesus came to dwell among us. One paraphrase sort of translation has it, Jesus put on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. And another way that we could translate that more literally is, Jesus took on flesh and pitched his tent among us. Jesus took on flesh and pitched his tent among us. The tent where we can meet with God isn't out there anymore. It's right here. Jesus has done away with the distance between God and us. In the Old Testament, Moses and Joshua, the special people, they could go out there and then they could come back and, and speak to us regular people. And Moses sometimes would come back with his face glowing in such a way that, that it actually frightened the people and he had to cover his face after coming back from the presence of God. But in Jesus, the Lord himself comes to us and comes to us in a way that we can see his glory and not be afraid. Joshua and Jesus are actually the same name, just, just translated a little bit differently. And so we see Jesus coming as the new Moses and the new Joshua bringing the tent to us, coming to dwell with us. And that's why that's why in John it brings up what might seem like kind of a funny interjection that, that it's talking about creation and redemption and all this. And then it starts talking about Moses and the law. And what is that about? And then it talks about how grace upon grace has been given to us. And, and the message there is, yes, the grace given through Moses, given through the law, that was a good thing. It brought us closer to God. But the grace and truth given through Jesus... The grace and truth given through Jesus is a grace that's so much greater than we can ever understand. And that's what the Lord has done for us. Now, we today often, we've domesticated the Lord. We think that God is kind of a nice guy, and we don't really, we don't really get how powerful, how mighty, how frightening He can be. And maybe as Christians, we should spend a little bit more time reflecting on that, how great God is. But as Christians, we reflect on that, not to be scared of God, not to recognize we can't approach Him, but, but to recognize how wonderful it is that He has drawn near to us. And if you look at, at probably all of our own individual history, certainly the history of Christianity, and I think all of the religions of the world, you find this polarity 
You find that there are some people who put God way out there and don't dare to reproach him. And, and you find other people who draw God so close and make him so small that, that a connection with God hardly means anything. But the Christian faith, the Christian faith as the gospel of John gives it to us, shows us a God who is tremendous and powerful and all-consuming and, and beyond approach. And also a God who is gentle and lowly who is humble, who is born and lays in a manger, who comes as a child, who comes to us with, with all the care and all the grace in the world. Christianity gives us both truths and draws them together in the person of Jesus Christ. We see the glory and the grace of God in Jesus and it is so hard to hold those two things together and to recognize that God is present with us. And that's part of why we gather, part of why we come together in the church, part of why, part of why we read the Scripture, to be reminded together, to hear each other's testimonies, to hear the testimonies of, of God's people throughout the ages, to hear God's Word itself tell us that the Lord is truly present with us. And God, through his presence in our midst, creates a new kind of community. The community of the church is completely unique in the history of the world because we have Jesus tabernacling, tenting, dwelling in our midst. This has been a challenging year, and, and one of the things that's come out of our separation with the pandemic, one of the things that really kept coming to the top in this healthy church process that we've been in the last few months is that we want to be closer as a church. We want to have deeper relationships. We want to we wanna be more in each other's lives. And the only way that's really going to work is if Jesus is at the center. We all gather we all can be truly together only because Jesus is here and Jesus draws each of us together. So as we look toward the new year, I invite you to look to Jesus and, and to see his presence, but also to recognize how, how the presence of Jesus is to be found here in the midst of his people. The last chapter, the last step that we'll look at today is hope and the temple of the Lord. Now, Andrew, in, in that interview that I mentioned, he talks about how, well, as a traveling musician, that's his day job, during the pandemic, he didn't have a lot of work, right? All the venues were shut down. There was nothing to do. So, so he spent a lot of time at home, and, and he spent a lot of time in his garden, a lot of time on his knees. And a lot of that time was spent in prayer, and some of the prayer was just, God, why weeds? Why so many weeds? But as day after day he went out and he spent that time weeding, planting, praying, watering, praying, weeding, praying, day by day, week by week, he, he felt his hope renewed in the presence and the promises of the Lord. John 1, as we've talked about, has its roots in Exodus, but, but it has branches that go throughout the New Testament and especially, especially in the book of Revelation. 
And let me give just a little bit of a preview here. Starting in a couple weeks, we're going to enter a series on the book of Revelation. It, it may be brave or it may be foolish, but we're going to work through the first five chapters of the book of Revelation in the new year. And that's another book written by John, the apostle who wrote the gospel of John. And so that text that we read for Revelation today, we, we think there's echoes there, even of John 1. And And it gives us this sense, yes, the Lord has come to us and He's drawn near to us, but not only that, but the Lord will continue to draw us nearer and nearer to Him. That temple language in Revelation is is reflective of the tent language and of the dwelling language in Exodus and John. And we can think about how How if you want to to look at it this way, that tent of meeting just keeps on getting bigger and bigger and bigger. At the beginning, it's this small tent that Moses pitches outside the camp, and only a couple people can be there. But then Jesus comes, and he dwells in the midst of all of his people on this earth. And then in the new creation, in the new heavens and the new earth, the Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit will fill all of the new heavens and the new earth. And so there will be no temple there because the whole place will be a temple. There will be no need for a tent of meeting or for Jesus to come and dwell with us because everywhere, everywhere will be filled with the light and the glory and the grace of the Lord. This is the story. The Lord comes nearer and nearer to us. The Lord draws us nearer and nearer to Him. But it's easy to become cynical. It's easy for us to to forget, to fail to remember how the Lord has worked in our lives, to forget that Jesus came and pitched his tent and moved into the neighborhood, to forget that the Lord has promised to bring us to him forever, to see the weeds of this life and to forget about the harvest that is coming. And so we need the practice. We need the practice of hope. And there are, there are a number of spiritual mechanisms the Lord has given us to renew our hope, but I think prayer is actually among the most powerful. But when we go to Lord, the Lord in prayer and we look at the weeds of our lives and we ask, Lord, why? And Lord, please, please fix this. And as we see Him at work and as we plant those small seeds of hope, the Lord brings them to fruition in our lives. So I invite you anew to embrace the discipline, the practice of prayer. And to pray not just, Lord, fix these problems, but Lord, fix fix our disconnection. Bring us back to you. Make it all ultimately right. I invite you today to the practice of memory. Look to the word of the Lord. Receive these texts from God the Father and see how he, he is faithful. And I invite you to the practice of presence, not of somehow drawing near to God on your own efforts, but just recognizing that God is present because of His work. And so when we gather together especially, we are in the presence of the Lord. And I invite you to the practice of prayer, to renew your faith, to be strengthened in your love, and and to be built up in our hope in our hope that we will be with the Lord forever. Let's pray.
Father, by nature, some of us are more optimistic and some are more pessimistic. By nature, some of us can really jump into hope and and look forward with expectation and trust that you are always here. And some of us, by nature or perhaps by experience, really struggle on these days. We really struggle to, to remember your goodness, to feel that you are here with us, and to look forward with joy instead of emptiness or dread. Lord, speak to us. Remind us of who you are. Remind us of who we are in you. Lord, help us really to celebrate that that the word became flesh and that you have made your dwelling among us. Lord, we ask that you dwell in our hearts more and more. Help us to rehearse and retell and really own the story of your work. Help us to become more and more aware every moment that you are present to us and that you are are on our side and at our side. And Lord, renew our hope. Help us to see even in the weediness and the winters of our lives that you are bringing spring and that we will live forever with you in eternal light. Amen.